It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. As Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. And that's where the Blue Jackets finally are today, after a five-game 11-day road trip that saw them take four out of five, the latest being last night in Chicago when they beat the Blackhawks by the score of 7-4. to Welcome to CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. What a game it was last night. Back and forth between the Blue Jackets and the Blackhawks. The Blue Jackets take a 2-0 lead early. They give it up. They break the tie. They go up 3-2. They go up 4-2. The Blackhawks are back in it, 4-3. It was a seesaw battle. But when it was all said and done, Patrick Laine netted the ninth hat trick of his career to lead the Blue Jackets to their victory last night. And it was an impressive one. And for many reasons, it was impressive. First of all, as I said, it was a back-and-forth battle. Second of all, what the Blue Jackets went through the day before was not easy to go through and then come out and play the way that they did in the game last night. We left Calgary on Wednesday, and we left... It was supposed to be late morning, and we were delayed in leaving because of the snow that uh, fell overnight in Calgary. So we were delayed in leaving Calgary. By the time we got to Chicago, you have to clear customs. uh, You have to wait for your luggage. You know the deal when you go to the airport. You have to wait for your luggage. You go out, you get on the bus, and now we're trying to get to Chicago, uh, to the downtown Chicago area from O'Hare during rush hour traffic. Let me just tell you, that's not an easy feat. It took forever just to get to Chicago. It was a long day, and I know that a lot of it was just sitting on a bus or sitting on a plane or waiting in an airport, but it is a a long, grueling day, especially when it's day 10 of your trip. And the fact that the Blue Jackets were able to come out yesterday and just take control of the game and play the way they did, I was really impressed. I really was. I saw a fan before the game. I saw a Blue Jackets fan before the game, and I said, Listen, I hope they feel better than I do after the travel day yesterday and after the length of this entire trip. And the answer is they did feel better than me. But we all felt good when we got on that plane to come home last night after a great win. And the thing to me that is most important about that trip is the five games, Washington, Buffalo, Montreal, Calgary, Chicago. If you look at just the records, you look at just the way the teams have performed this year. There were three games that the Blue Jackets should have won on that trip. That was Buffalo, Montreal, and Chicago. And they won every single one of those games. That's important. You have to win the games that you're supposed to win if you want to have success in this league. They did that. In addition, they got that bonus win to start the trip in Washington against a very good Capitals team. And to be honest with you, the team that they lost to on the trip is a team that they should have lost to on the trip, the Calgary Flames, who are making a push to go deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So when you look at it, I don't care if you look at it from 40,000 feet. I don't care if you look at it from ground level. That was a very impressive road trip for a team that, again, on certain days, you'd think they don't know who they are or what they are. And then the next day, you look at them and you think they know exactly what they are. And that win over Chicago after being beaten 48 hours prior by Calgary 6-2, to the way they came back so quickly 
and to do what they did. Again, impressive is the word that jumps to the front of my mind. And the Blue Jackets are now going to play at home on Sunday night against the Buffalo Sabres. Again, a game that you should win. On paper, you win it. And as the saying goes, you don't play the games on paper. Hey, I've got a special show for you today. I had uh, something happen to me while I was in Calgary that made me think of an old workmate, an old friend, a guy that I've seen throw about a million and a half punches and take about 900,000 punches in the process. John Morasti, a tough guy that played for a couple of years in the Blue Jackets system with the Syracuse Crunch. He's also been all around the world to play hockey, and now he has parlayed that into an incredible opportunity as a TV star. You'll find out about that in just a minute, right after I tell you about Telhio Credit Union. It's Ohio Credit Union. They take pride in servicing their customers. They really do. That's their number one goal is to make sure that you are happy, to make sure that you have what you need when it comes to your money. Where are you going to put your money? How can it grow? Um, what services might you need? Do you need a small business loan? Do you need a debt consolidation loan? Regular banks do it, but Telhio Credit Union does it better. You want to find out why you should join a credit union over a regular bank? The answer to that question and many, many more, in fact, all of the answers, are at telhio.org. Go to their site, just take a look around, click on the different tabs, see what services they offer, see what perks they have for you that you may not be getting at your current financial institution. They are there for you. Telhio Credit Union has been servicing for a long time, really, really well, the people in Central and Southwestern Ohio, and they are federally insured by NCUA. So unbelievably, I'm sitting in Calgary. I'm watching the Super Bowl. It goes to a commercial break, and I see a promo for a show that comes up, and I'm half paying attention, and all of a sudden, uh, on this promo, there's a hockey dressing room, and I, my attention went up immediately because one of the players that was sitting there, I said, I know that guy. That is John Morasti in that dressing room. What the heck is he doing on a TV show? So, Johnny, how does this happen? How do you go from being a hockey star to a TV star? It was actually a pretty funny story. You know, I was uh, at work here on Flying Dots First Nation in northern Saskatchewan, and I got an email through my work email stating about uh, knowing if I would be interested in acting into a, in a TV show. And they said, Letter Kenny. And, uh, you know, I'm not much of a TV guy. So I was like, what? Is this a joke or, you know, so... I uh, responded and said, yeah, I'd be interested, you know, give me a call or whatever. But I kind of just laughed at it, you know, went home that night and had my wife look it up. And, you know, next thing you know, I, I'm watching all these YouTube clippings of uh, all this stupid humidity uh, humor. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was just like, well, this is this is different. Eh? But I started asking around and, you know, asking friends of mine and all that about the show. And, and you know, it, it turns out to be a pretty popular TV show within Canada, the U.S. And, uh, um, yeah, so I responded back and and. They uh, originally wanted me to do a, I'm not really good with the, the terminology of uh, acting, but I, I guess I had to do a kind of like an interview on my own, videotape myself saying something and and then they would look at it and respond. But I didn't end up doing that because I left California for my summer vacation. And, you know, when I got back, checked my work email, they said, oh, yeah, you know, I, I said, I, I realized that I was supposed to do that. And I said, I didn't. So I apologized. I don't know. Thanks for the opportunity. And I said, oh, we want you anyways. So, uh, yeah, next thing you know, I was booking flights to go live in uh, just north of Toronto and Sudbury and, and stay in a hotel. And, yeah, it, it ended up turning out to be a really good thing. And, and uh, I think they have pretty high expectations for the show. 
Now, the show is called Shorzy, and the background is the Letter Kenny show that you talked about. One of the characters on that show is named Shorzy, and he's a hockey player. So this is a spinoff series that has to do with that. And, and that's what you got in your crash course when you went back and you rewatched all the videos, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. Shorzy is uh, one of the one of the actors. I guess his face was never shown in Letter Kenny. And uh, so now Jared Kiso, who's a great guy, by the way, is actually going to be Shorzy in the, in the new movie. And uh, basically, it's a, a senior AAA team that's struggling in Sudbury, Ontario. There's, you know, not many fans. You know, they're not winning many games. So uh, Shorzy decides to uh, say, you know what, I'm going to bring the native flu in. So, you know, that's where me and Jordan Nolan and, and Brandon Nolan come in. And we're kind of like the modern day Hanson brothers. So, uh, yeah, it's an exciting show. You know, it's got a lot of on-ice scenes, you know, scoring goals and, and getting in fights and, you know, all that fun stuff, but there's a lot of off-ice stuff too. So I'm, I'm excited to really to, to sit down and watch the, the episodes as they, as they come out. So that's great. In the home of the Felino family, Sudbury, Ontario is where the setting is for this. Huh? Did you know uh, Jordan and Brandon Nolan before you all joined together on this cast? I mean, obviously we're, we're first nation guys, you know, that all played pro hockey. So, you know, we knew of each other and never really got to meet them formally. Uh, Brandon, I actually played against a little bit when I was in Syracuse and he was in Albany. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, their dad, Ted Nolan's a, is a pretty big name guy that, that coached in the NHL stuff. So, you know, we actually clicked really well when we got there because we were kind of never separated. We were, it was a joke. Every time there was anything to do, we'd always go together and stuff. So we got along really well. And it was nice because there was a mixture of hockey players there. Another guy was uh, Terry Ryan, you know, um, but, you know, we would hang out and it was kind of uh, half, half actors and half hockey players. So it was, uh, it was a great time. And, and yeah, so yeah, now, you know, Jordan and Brandon and I, we get along, we're actually going to be meeting uh, uh, Brandon and I are going to be taking our wives to Vegas to meet the letter Kenny crew. They're going to be doing some live stage uh, comedy in across the U S. So we're going to meet them in Vegas kind of towards the end of their trip and, and spend a week in there with them. Well, what a long way from being the tough guy beating up people getting beaten up every night that you were in in hockey all over the place in hockey and now you're going to vegas to be part of a comedy tour i mean <laughs> this is honest to god is this a true story john yeah i know it's funny i've kind of, i've had quite the unique career you know i i uh, played hockey you know i even even my career in hockey was kind of unique how i got there you know playing senior hockey and up in quebec and then getting invited you know a couple of years later i'm in camp with columbus blue jackets and stuff so i've been really fortunate and then you know i come home and i open a tim hortons and you know, business owner. And then I sell the Tim Hortons and I get into leadership with my, my first nation community. And, and, you know, now I'm acting. So I've kind of, I'm a man of many trades, I guess. And uh, just need to get my modeling, modeling career going now. Well, you're on the way. I mean, if you're going to Vegas, (laughs) that'll be the next step, Johnny. I I mean, the Mohawk will look good on the modeling walkway. You know that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's gotta be, call me the Indian, the Indian Brad Pitt. Yeah, well, there you go. See, <laughs> so you already got a plan. That is one thing about you, and I give you plenty of credit for that because you always did have a plan from years ago when I met you in Syracuse when you played there for the Crunch within the Blue Jacket system. You always did have a plan, and uh, you know your plan got you into pro hockey at that level. It got you into you know preseason camp with the Columbus Blue Jackets. It, it's uh, you always were a guy that I always thought you had a great outlook on things. You knew exactly what you had to do to get to where you wanted to be. And it was never a question about how am I going to do it? I'm just going to do it. That, that's yeah, you. Know, that's, that's, that's you know, why I, I do a lot of, yeah, I do a lot of motivational speaking now too, you know, a lot of schools and to a lot of youth and stuff. And a big thing in me was always setting goals, you know, and I'm even an old guy now, almost turning 40 in June there, Bob. 
And, uh, you know, I still have goals to this day, you know, and I think that's, that's kind of really important. I always try to pass it on to the youth and even to the younger, younger generation, you know, so um, just to, to, to make a, and, and never make excuses. You know, I was, I was told no a lot and I wouldn't take no for an answer, you know, um, even with the Tim Hortons franchise, you know, there was a lot of people here in my hometown trying to get it. I just kept pushing and pushing and, and you know, I finally got my way and, and same thing with everything else I'm doing in life. You know, I just want to, want to succeed and, and again, create a better life for my family and, and, you know, and, and also at the same time, be a role model. So that's what I'm doing. I am talking with John Nasty Morasty. He was in the Blue Jackets system. He played a lot in Syracuse in the American Hockey League uh, with the Blue Jackets. And now he is an actor starring in a show called Shorzy, which you'll be able to find on Hulu. What you mentioned you were playing senior hockey and then the Blue Jackets, uh, you know, get you to come in and, and give you the opportunity to go to Syracuse. When I think about you, in Syracuse, and I knew you. I know you were there for several years, but the year that you were teammates with Zen Kanopka, Derek Dorsett, Tom Sestito, uh, you guys just ran crazy through that league, especially in the second half of the year. It was total toughness, Johnny. I still tell people to this day that was the last of the slap shot era for me. I've never seen. I I can barely see one guy play like that today, uh, let alone the whole handful of you guys playing like that. And um, it, it was to the point where you fought so much and there were so many pregame incidents and dust-ups and even a fight that uh, the owner of the Crunch, Howard Dolgan, was selling these nasty boys T-shirts with all your headshots on the T-shirt just so that he could recoup the money to pay your fines to the American Hockey League. That is a true story, isn't it? That's a, that's a true story. Yeah, Cause I, I agreed with doing all the rough stuff, but I said, this, you guys didn't pay me enough to be paying a fine every single game. So we, we found ways to raise money. And, you know, I go back to that year and that's probably one of the best years I played professional hockey. You know, the guys were just so good. I think we actually had at that time broke a, an AHL record for the most consecutive wins as well. And I mean, it was, it was just a gong show. We, we were going to bars and partying and, you know, guys, we just, it was a well-knit team and, and, uh, yeah, you know, to this day, I still keep in touch with all those guys. And it's it's kind of always fun to see how everyone's doing. And, you know, I remember we used to have Zen in there, you know, stirring the pot at the center ice and basically saying, oh, I got anybody to fight. You know, there's the story when we were in, when, in the first round of playoffs in Manitoba when he brought the newspaper to the center of the ice and was reading it saying, you know, who, who, who wants to fight? We got a guy here that's going to fight you first shift. And, uh, you know, just, yeah, it was, it was just such a, a great year there. And I remember the, the rink was already sold out in warmups because you knew you were going to miss something if you weren't there for the warmups of the, of the game. You're right. That, and you know, warmups in my job, you want to see the lines and who's playing together, but at the end of the day, it's just, you know, you're just getting warmed up. You're practicing for the game. That is the only year that I made sure that not only was I in my spot, but I was attentive to what was going on in warmups. Yeah, I, I hear you. It was a, I, to this day, I still have people writing me saying, I love that. That was the best year of my life. And those are fans saying that, you know, that still have memories and shit. That's going on, what, 12, 13 years ago? <laughs> it's more than we're that. Getting, I hate to old. tell you, it's more than that. <laughs> it's yeah, more than that. Yeah, we're getting old, my friend. I know we are, but, we're, but we still, we're still having fun in doing it. Pierre Cedric Labrie was that guy that yeah. uh, was challenged because – when you talk about bringing the newspaper out onto the ice, he had made some quotes in the Winnipeg paper, you know, saying that you guys were a bunch of clowns and just running around. And, and then he got challenged because of it. So a couple of years after that happened, I had just gotten into the NHL. Maybe it was here a year or two. I forget, but he was uh, picked up by the Tampa Bay lightning and he was in the dressing room. Nobody was talking to him. He just got called up from the American league. And I walked over to the corner and I introduced myself and I told him that I was with that team. And I brought up that, specific incident 
And oh my goodness, did he laugh? He laughed and he goes, <laughs> he goes, I wasn't even a tough guy. They asked me a question. I made some comment. Next thing I know, I'm getting challenged on the ice because they got the newspaper on the ice with them there with my yeah. quotes in it. So, you know, it, and that's the part that's the great thing about it for me, John, because I mean, that is hockey. It is old time hockey, but there was, there, there's so many great things that happened about it. Here's a guy that said something probably dumb to the newspaper reporter. And then he got challenged by it. And he's just laughing his rear end off about it a couple of years later. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the game of hockey. I miss, you know, I think we're starting to lose that stuff with the, you know, the rough entertaining stuff, but uh, yeah, no, it's still good. And, and like I said, there's so many guys, even the guys I fought, I still great relationship with them, you know? So I, I always thought that those role players that took that role were, we're always, you know, one of a kind guys. And uh, I think it's something that the hockey and the NHL right now and well, hockey in general is missing. You know, it's, it's uh, a, diff a very different game now. It, it is really different. And we had John Tortorella here coaching for the last six years. And one thing that he always said was there's not enough hate in the game anymore. And yeah. that's what you're talking about. You're not talking about the hate after the game's over, but that passion of wanting to win so badly and doing whatever it takes. And if that means you've got to literally steamroll a guy on the other side, to get to that point, that's what you're going to do. That aspect has kind of gone away. I mean, you know, that's everybody's buddies now. Everybody trains together in the summertime. Yeah. Uh, everybody goes to union meetings and they see each other. Nothing wrong with that, but you'd still like to see a little bit of that old grit on the ice, wouldn't you? Oh, definitely. A good example is, you know, me and Jeremy Oblonsky, you know, off the ice, him and his kids and my kids were friends and his wife and my wife were friends. And, uh, but you know, on the ice, when you get out there, you're playing for that, that crest on your, on your chest and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's hard to explain how people thought, ah, oh, they're just faking out there. But boy, let me tell you, when I'd get on the plane after the games or the bus and, you know, I, my head was swollen and sore and then we were, you know, you're playing for bragging rights too. You know, yeah, we have beers at, you know, at the end of the year and, and hang out and good friends, but you always want to know that you're, you came out on top. So uh, yeah, let me tell you on, on the ice, it's a different story. And I, you're right. We're missing that. You know, I, I watch games now and, you know, Go, go scores are you know five one six one going into the, the last 10 minutes back then that's when we made a statement right that you're not going to do that again and now it seems like they just they still play just to get more goals so uh kind of lost my interest in watching hockey now the last few years to be honest yeah and even even the fights that there are now you know if there's one fight it gets made out to be a huge deal all across the league you know uh but the other thing is the linesmen jump in really, really quickly. Even when there are fights now, they try to break that up as soon as they can. When you would fight, and especially when you would fight Jeremy Yablonski, uh, the linesmen, nowhere to be found, man. They were just spectators. They were going to wait <laughs> until that thing calmed yeah. down. I actually watched that. I always get clips sent to me, like people will share it on my social media and stuff. And I always laugh. There's actually one. You were already uh, you know, in Columbus, but they had brought you down for a special guest for uh, the outdoor game. Yes. And uh, yeah, I was laughing there because I remember there's a video you could see the linesman, you know, they zoomed up on the flight and there's the linesman sitting in the background just giggling to himself, not even being a ref. You know, you got the best seats in the house. So yeah, it's it's always a uh, always funny things to watch. And you know, you were a great guy to listen to on, on, on the, when I watched the replays. I'm always laughing at you too, my old Bobby, <laughs> my old buddy Bobby. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I was doing that game with Danny Gare, and you want to talk about old time hockey and appreciating that kind of uh, game. And, and Danny had never seen it live, right? He had never seen you in action live like that. And I just remember how he giggled and he, he just enjoyed every aspect of the fight in that outdoor game. Yeah. That's it. Like I said, it keeps, it keeps the game honest and you know, the fans love it and it's the anticipation too, right? Even those games when we didn't fight, 
you know, you'd see me on the ice and you'd see Steve McIntyre on the ice, you know, it's like, Oh, they, they might go. And, you know, you get, you get that anticipation and, you know, or there's a big hit and you see me get sent out. You, you kind of anticipate something's going to happen. And yeah, it's, it's a game. I, I, I really miss it. You know, you hear a lot of, you know, stuff where they're trying to put it down and, you know, even ex fighters are putting it down and saying, Oh, we were forced to do it. Not, I'm the, I'm the exact opposite. You know, I loved everything I did and it made me who I am today. And to this day, I still, you know, uh, acknowledge what got me here. And, and, and yeah, so I, I, I'm the, I'm the opposite of what guys do nowadays and say, you know, they, they want to avoid it. I, if I could do it all over again, I probably would have done it more. <laughs> Who is the toughest guy that you ever fought? I always think that's an unfair question because I mean, I think anybody that has the balls to drop their gloves and, and in front of, you know, 10, 15,000 people, it's, it's intimidating, you know? So, um, but there's a few guys I'd mentioned, you know, guys like Steve McIntyre was very tough, you know, Jeremy Oblonsky, Trevor Gillies, you know, a lot of those were, were big boys and, you know, uh, so yeah, just being able to, to fight all of them was an honor. And, and it's, it's funny, those guys that we fought and had those big rallies for, I'm, I'm good friends with Steve McIntyre on social media. We're always joking around with each other now, you know, and, um, so yeah, those guys, I would have to say that the, the toughest would have been, you know, Steve McIntyre, Yablonski, Gillies, guys like that were, were tough. Yeah. And I, and I guess to put it in a different frame, like you said, it's kind of unfair to ask it that way, but were there guys that you knew that, uh, you know, some of them, like, again, you and Yablonski, you're, you're going to throw haymakers at one another. Never seen two guys just trade punches, hitting each other in the head as quickly as you guys did when you got together. But were there any guys that were like, they technically gave you a problem or, or you knew when you went to fight them, like th this is something that I know he does. So I got to be ready for, and I got to handle it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Well, you know, there's guys like, there, there's guys like, uh, you, you're probably not very familiar with him other than on YouTube, but there was a guy like Steve Bossy that, you know, he, he was a guy that I had a lot of trouble with. And, you know, so when people ask me, who's the toughest guy you ever fought, they expect me to say Steve Bossy, you know, but at the same time, I, I was a big believer that styles made fights, right. There's a guy that I would beat up that the next guy would lose to, but I would lose to that guy, you know? So it's like a big triangle where um, styles make fights, but you know, a big name that I remember that would give me worries of, of fighting was guys like Steve McIntyre. Cause when he hit you, he hit you hard, you know? And uh, so you, 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 I always said fighting was a tough job. It was one of the toughest jobs there was out there, but it wasn't the actual fight itself. It was the, the, the preparation for that fight. You know, if we're playing Steve McIntyre on Friday night and it's Wednesday, you know, that those those two nights prior I'm I'm having nightmares about it you know especially when you get to be one of the bigger name guys that's doing good and, and winning a lot of fights you know everybody wants you to lose right so you, you have a lot of more pressure on you but you know it's it's leading up to that fight you know I remember the pregame naps the day of the game I didn't really sleep I was you know moving in my sleep and kind of uh being nervous about fighting so I think that's what gave me a lot of gray hairs was, was the anticipation of the fight but I remember once I actually dropped the gloves and and and, and fought it was a, it was an adrenaline rush you know I loved it it was uh I remember thinking when the fight was over I'm like man I spent those last 48 hours so scared and nervous just for that you know and, and then you know then you do it all over the next week you know the next week we, you're fighting somebody else that's pretty tough so I think that was the toughest part of the game was was just preparing for it but once it actually happened it just came natural and and uh, I, I got to admit, I miss, I miss it. It's been a while since I got to hit somebody in the face and I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Talk with John Morasti, former tough guy who uh, played in the Blue Jackets organization. You know, I'm glad you said that about the preparation because I work with Jody Shelley on an everyday basis. Uh, Jared Bowl is now part of our coaching staff here too. And, and I've had those conversations with them and especially as they got near the end of their careers, it was that anticipation. It was that worry. It was, it was everything leading up to it that 
they finally got to the point where you kind of knew you didn't want to do it anymore. You know, you kind of knew that at least that part of your life was done. Did you ever reach that point as a player? No, I, you know, I, I always enjoyed it. To be honest, I was never one of those guys that didn't like doing it, but it, it did take its toll, you know, towards the end, it, it got kind of old and the older you get, you want to start playing a little bit more and, and, you know, taking a break and, and maybe picking your fights. But I was a big believer, you know, and I think that's what kind of ruined the game towards the end for fighting is, you know, you, you got the older guys would always say, I'm not going to fight you. You're just a young guy, you know, and, but that young guy needs to build his resume up too. So I was a big believer in, in, in trying to fight anybody and everybody. And, and, uh, you know, but he also, most importantly is you want to make your team win. Right. So there was always a time that came and, and we knew what we were doing, you know, say the other team went up a goal or two and, you know, it's time to try to get the momentum back on our side. So, and, you know, those, those two players, you named Jared Bull and Jody Shelley, you know, both very tough guys and, and, and had a really good career. So they also know what they're talking about, but uh, yeah, it's something that I, I, I really do miss to, to tell you the truth. I was talking with the, our assistant general manager, Josh Flynn, the other day, and he told me a story, and I want to know if this is a true story. He said that in the last deal that you did with the Blue Jackets organization, you had it written in your deal that you got to keep your jersey from preseason. Is that true? Yeah, I actually did that with a lot of uh, a lot of my contracts, even not even with, like with the preseason stuff, but, you know, playing in Russia and even my time in Danbury Trashers and all that, you know, I would always – have a deal where I, I would keep one of my game worn jerseys because, you know, um, it's, it's nice for memorabilia. And, and to this day, I'm actually trying to get my hands on my Danbury trashers Jersey, but ever since the, uh, ever since that Netflix show came up, the, the prices aren't what I'm going to pay for my Jersey. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're trying to ask some pretty ridiculous prices and I'm thinking, shit, I'll give you something for it, you know, or, but uh, yeah, it was always something that I did do in my, a lot, a lot of my contract was always just to say, can I get one, one Jersey for, you know, to take home for keepsake. Yeah. I did watch that Danbury Trashers uh, documentary, by the way. And we were talking about that Syracuse team that was craziness, but it looked to me like the Danbury Trashers took that craziness to a, a completely different level. Is that true? Yeah. I think it was more the ice off antics that were, were pretty wild about Danbury. You know, it was, it was, I, like I said, my career was pretty weird, even in hockey, because, you know, when I played in uh, up in Quebec, you know, you had a lot of that organized crime being involved. So you had the, the, the biker gang, the, the Hells Angels were kind of, you know, part of the league and, and uh, you know, part of paying us and stuff. And then I went to Danbury that year and it was Italian mafia. And then I went to Russia in the KHL the first year and it was the, the Russian mob. So, you know, I had a lot of experience to organize crime. But uh, yeah, Danbury was uh, was was uh, was it is. The, the story didn't do it justice, to be honest, you know, we were getting, we were getting checks for uh, rent, but we weren't paying rent. And, you know, we were getting checks, miscellaneous checks for groceries. And uh, let's just say I was almost making an NHL salary while playing in double A hockey. <laughs> I was just about to ask you, is, is that the most money you ever made in the season? Uh, no, I when, when I was in Russia, it was the most uh, in the KHL, but Danbury was pretty good too, with a lot of the perks. And, you know, we were only 45 minutes from New York city. So I remember going to a, a birthday party for one of the, for Jimmy's younger daughter, I think it was her 15th birthday party. And I guess in the, in the Italian culture, that's a pretty big birthday. And I remember we were all wearing suits to this thing. And it was, it was, it was I wouldn't be surprised. There was a couple hundred dollars, a couple hundred thousand dollars dropped at that birthday party just for a birthday party. And, you know, we'd be, yeah, it was a, it was quite the lifestyle. And we all lived uh, in new Fairfield, Connecticut, which was supposed to be one of the richest counties in the, in the U S and we all lived on cabins along the lake. I mean, they were beautiful cabins and 
yeah, we were, we were, we were expected to pay rent, but we didn't pay rent because, you know, and then we also got a rent paycheck. So it was quite, quite the, quite the ride there. It sounds like a great deal. Fantastic. It, it was, it was the, the real life Sopranos. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, you know, just listening to these stories and you talking about all these experiences, do you ever pinch yourself at, just to make sure it's real that the game of hockey took you to all of these different places on the planet? You've seen so many things, you've experienced so many things, and you've just gained so much knowledge that you can pass on to your family and to your friends. And as you said, with the motivational speaking, too. Yeah, no, like, like I said, I got stories I'd sit here and tell you that you probably wouldn't even believe, but you know, let me assure you, they're all true. Um, but yeah, hockey, you know, even though I didn't get to play a full-time thing in the NHL or get, you know, that's obviously the, the ultimate goal. Um, I met so many people, you know, a guy like you and I both know Anthony Lamaki is a, a lifelong friend now, and, and, and he's just one of one of hundreds, you know, that I've met through through my playing career. And and like you said, just the knowledge that you get traveling, right? And, and you know, being in Russia and being in Kazakhstan and you know, in Quebec and learning all the different cultures and languages, it, you really, you really get educated from that. You know, although I didn't get a university degree, I, I feel very educated because of all the, the travels that I've had and, and I'm very fortunate. And now I'm back home trying to pass it on to my people, my people over here on Flying Us First Nation. You know, a lot of times those street smarts are way better than the book smarts. In fact, I'd say hundred percent of the time. So I always tease my wife, you know, my wife's got, she's really educated and has a good job. I always tell her, babe, I said, you wouldn't survive on the streets like I would. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Uh, with John Morasti, he's going to star in the new show, Shorzy, which will be on Hulu. It's coming up later in the spring. So uh, the character that you play, I mean, are you just, how big of a part of the show are you? Are you just uh, on well, during from, the games? Um, from talking to, uh, to Jared Kiso, who's Shorzy in the movie, he's the team captain we're basically going to develop into more the, the further that the series goes on, we're going to get more and more of a, of a, of a, of a part, but uh, we're in it. Like we're in every series, a lot of goal scoring, a lot of fighting. Um, you know, I, I, my famous line is, yeah. You know, when they ask me questions, I always go, yeah. Um, you know, my name's Jim in the movie, but so is Brandon. And so is, so is Jordan. They're, they're all gyms. So we're the three gyms and, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty funny and entertaining. And to be completely honest to you, I uh, I don't really know the plot of the movie. It's it's been so weird because acting so different, right? We we did so many different scenes all over, but they're not in order. So I'm just excited to see when it gets all put together. And I'll say, oh, I remember that I did that on the first day, but that might be at the very end of the series. So um, yeah, it's but no, we we've had a, quite a few lines in there, and you know, and and we play a big part, and, and I actually get to score some goals too, so that's exciting. That was and, my next uh, question. If they let you put it in the net. Oh, I, I played senior AAA the last year, and I was one of the leading scorers there, Bobby. I, I got some skill. <laughs> well, I know you had skill. They just the, the problem was when you played, you know, in, in regular pro hockey, nobody ever wanted you to keep the stick in your hands. That was the problem. Yeah, no, no, that's that's, that's what I laugh because you know, when you're coming home and playing senior with the local team here, we're doing a provincial run right now, and and uh, you know, I'm one of the top scorers on the team, but I also get a lot of room on the ice. Not many guys try to come near me, and and. Uh, you know, I got myself in pretty good shape too. You know, with this whole COVID COVID pandemic, I, I kind of used it in a positive way and and got myself on probably in just as good a shape as I am now as when I was 29 playing in the American Hockey League. So, uh, but I did let myself go there for a while, Bobby. I was up to 270 pounds and uh, <laughs> I got pretty thick, but, uh, you know, got back to motivation and, and I'm down to 225 now and, and playing hockey a lot. And, and, and I'm actually... I think I kind of might have maybe maybe made history with our local senior team. My boy, who just turned uh, 19, 
him and I play on a line together in senior hockey. It's full contact senior hockey. So it's, it's kind of unique. I, I was laughing there. He, whenever, and when anyone tries to touch my boy, I'm always trying to freak out, be his, be his, his enforcer, his bodyguard. Right. But I'm, I'm thinking I'm getting to the point where he should be my enforcer now protect me. <laughs> well, you so know what, you know, I'm sitting here, you're, you're telling me what good shape you're in and, and you can still play the game like that. And like, no offense, but we have no toughness on this Blue Jackets team. I, I think it's worth a call, Johnny. I, you know, tell him to sign me to a PTO. I'll come and show. I'll, I'll give that Reeves Lincoln. Sign it right before Tom Wilson in the Washington Capitals. I'd pay to see it. <laughs> yeah. So how's your how's your guys' season going? Are you guys doing good? Yeah, doing good. Right around the 500 mark right now. Young team. You know, a lot of the the older guys uh, that we've had here they've moved out in the last couple of years, so it's. Uh, it's young and these guys are learning and you know how that goes. Sometimes, um, you know, it can be really rough, but uh, these guys have, they played hard. So they, they're yeah. right. Going, the going back hard. to that, going back to that year with, uh, with the uh, Syracuse there, when that, that run we had, uh, that, what I really liked it with that, 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 uh, team was we all bought into the same system. You got a guy like Derek Broussard, you know, he's 180 pounds soaking wet. And, and uh, I still remember the first game against uh, the, I think it was the Manitoba Moose. I'm not sure who their big goal scorer was, but we had all did the Mohawks for playoffs. You know, instead, instead of the beards, we all did Mohawks. And uh, I remember off the opening face off Derek Broussard, you know, he's not supposed to do that, but he drops his gloves and wants to fight their center. I mean, do you remember that? They didn't I fight. Do. I do remember that. <laughs> but yeah. like, I mean, even a guy like Derek Broussard bought into that concept that we're going to let them over here to play and, and uh, I still remember thinking, what's that kid trying to fight for? <laughs> Why do you be bought into it? And, it, and I mean, it worked for us. That's right. Because you guys, you know, he saw what was going on. I just talked to Mark Mathot a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and we relived some of those stories too. I mean, um, yeah, you're right. Everybody was on board and that's really, uh, to me, haven't been around the game for as long as I have that that's what makes the game special when all of you get on the same page and in believe in one another that's that's really that that's why i think this is the most special sport because when you get into those moments and there's that belief and that camaraderie um then it's not even about winning games or losing games it's about it's about what we're talking about john it's about 20 years almost 20 years since that that team was on the ice together we're sit, still sitting here talking about it yeah no it's like i said it's still talked about and it's it's a great time yeah, even the ownership even the ownership bought into it. They were paying her fine. So, <laughs> oh yeah, oh, it was geez. encouraged, encouraged from all angles, um, except for the American Hockey League office. They were the only ones that seemed not to like it night in and night out. <laughs> yeah, I remember the the league president. I, I had to talk to him a lot that year. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember, uh, and then I, I think I ran into him at the PHPA meetings in uh, in Florida, and uh, we ended up joking around about it. But it's funny that yeah, you guys sure gave me a headache that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. Well, John, thanks you. Uh, thanks to you for taking the time to talk with me. I cannot wait for this series to get released because I can't wait to see you. And uh, you mentioned as it goes along, I mean, this isn't just a one-year thing. How, how long have you signed for? Oh, no, they have, they have big hopes. There's going to be three, four, five, six, seven seasons. You know, this is just, a, this is just kind of the teaser. And this one's only going to be, I think, six or seven episodes, but uh, you know, I'm sure the next one will go good. And, if it goes anything as good as successful as, uh, as Letter Kenny, it's going to win a lot of awards too. You know, Letter Kenny really cleaned up the Canadian awards for the for television, so it's it's exciting. I'm kind of new at the game; I don't even know what the awards are, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. And you know, Jared Kiso, he's the he's the he's actually Wayne and Letter Kenny. He's a great guy. You know, he's a big supporter of, of hockey players. He loves the hockey fights. You know, he he knows more of the fights that I've been in than I did. He'll say, "I remember this one." So. 
um, yeah, it's exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing what it brings for the future. I cannot wait to see. And the best supporting actor award goes to John Morasti. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Well, I am too. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me about it. It's great to catch up with you. It's great to hear some of the stories again. And I'm glad that everything is going well for you and your family. And uh, just enjoy it, my man. Anytime, my friend. It's nice talking. That is former hockey tough guy John Morasti. He is now going to be a TV star in the Hulu series Shorzy, which is coming up later on this spring. Uh, just to listen to the stories and hear about the opportunities that hockey brought to him, hear about the family that hockey has become to him. As you heard me say a couple of times during that interview, that is what I love the most about this sport. I think that that is what makes hockey the most special sport. The appreciation the players have for the game, the respect that the players have for the game, the camaraderie the players develop because of the game, and the lifelong friendships and family-style relationships that come from just being a part of this sport. That's what makes it great. And I think it's fantastic that John started with hockey and he has turned it into so many more things, especially the motivational speaking, because this is a guy that really didn't talk a lot. When I was with him in the American Hockey League, he didn't talk a lot. It was about talking with the way that he played and the way that he fought, right? Not even really the way that he played. They never let him play. It's the way that he fought. But now he is fighting to help younger people become better people, and I respect that tremendously. Again, the Blue Jackets will take on the Buffalo Sabres. That's a game that will take place on Sunday night at 6 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. The pregame coverage will begin at 5.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network and on Bally Sports Ohio. We'll see if the Blue Jackets can get another win. They've won four of their last five. Actually, they've won six of their last eight, and this is a winnable game against the Sabres. We'll see if they can get it on Sunday night. Don't forget, on Monday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I will do another live Monday mailbag edition of this show. You have a chance to get in live on Twitter Spaces. All you have to do is get on Twitter. I'll have the space there. You can join if you want to ask a question. You make the request to come on. I let you in. You ask the question live. It's been great fun the last couple of weeks doing that. If you can't join live or if you're just not ready to do that, that's okay. You can send me your questions on Twitter at Bobby Max Sports, or you can record a voice memo on your phone and you can email your question to me, Bobby Mac, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C at bluejackets.com. That's going to do it for this edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Thanks to John Morasti for being my guest. And until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.